for me. Too, especially Tuesday. Well, Thursday we try to practice, so. But we could always go before or after. That sounds like a, the right thing to do. one song that's different like everything else kind of goes together but this one even the A it's not A minor but I seem to be okay with that one
Hey everybody, we're out here, Hope Bible Fellowship in Dixon. We are giving away candy. So if you're out trick-or-treating, stop by, get a bag of candy. We've got full bag, dirty pre-packaged and wrapped up. We had hot dogs, but we just ran out of hot dogs. We ran out of hot dogs. Oh, we have more hot dogs. We have more hot dogs. Okay, but you gotta hurry, because that's the hot dogs we got. So right there, in there, so you gotta hurry. And then we got some chips, and we got hot chocolate, and coffee, and water. And we got candy. We got lots of candy, 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 candy. All right. And if you have a nut allergy or your little one has a nut allergy, we got candy prepackaged for those who can't have things that are processed with nuts. So we're down here next to Oliver's in our building at 7. So come on down. Look for the tent with the orange lights. And the crowd of people eating hot dogs and giving out candy. Hope to see you here. We love our community. Pretty awesome, huh? All right, yes. Thank you again to the Bardells for heading that up. And thank you to everybody who volunteered, especially Natalie. You were rocking the, the drinks back there. So big thank you to everybody who helped. It was a lot of fun. We didn't have the dubstep music going, but... It was still good regardless. So uh, we hope we hope the Christmas walk is going to be something similar we, where we can get out there and embrace our community a little bit. So uh, don't forget we've got the membership class here today, right after service. So any non-members out there that are interested in becoming one, now is your opportunity. So uh, Kay, I would love to see you afterwards. That's just going to be a short couple-hour thing. Well, I mean, we're going to have pizza or sandwiches. Okay. All right, sounds great. So we're just going to keep going. You might be here until 5.30, but that'll work. So hope to see you here. Uh, and then the, the Red Cross is gearing up for their end-of-year blood drive here at Hope Bible Fellowship. So uh, now is an opportunity to give blood. They prefer appointments, so if you've got a chance, uh, they've got to sign up on their website. Uh, but they are going to have walk-ins as well. So I guess I think when you come and walk in, they'll have to verify a couple of things. But uh, if you're cleared to come on in, then they'll go ahead and allow you to donate blood. So great opportunity. Again, that's going to be here Wednesday, December 8th from 1 to 6. Uh, so there's going to be a flyer on the foyer if you need to reference that. Um, if you don't remember anything I just told you, check out the flyer. So we would love to see you here. Sign up. Walk-ins Wednesday, December 8th, 1 to 6. Come on. Give blood. I know they need it, especially here as the year is coming to a close. So... Um, and just a reminder for those who are watching online especially, we do have online giving here at Hope. So if you go to our website, hopeofdixon.com, we've got giving at, all the way at the bottom. If you scroll down, there's a give section. You can click on that, and you can give your tithes and offerings through that as well. So online giving made easy. Uh, that's really all I have for announcements. So, again, just to recap, ministry meeting Tuesday at 6.30. Oh, and don't forget, we've got the discipleship class on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. As I usually am, uh, maybe maybe on all, almost all occasions, I'm excited to be up here preaching. Uh, the only time I can think of that is like if I was sick or something. Anyway, um, I don't know why I just said all that, other than to say I'm really happy to be here. I, I, sometimes I feel like I get up here honestly, and I say, 
Um, it's, it's, it's a real joy to be with you, or it's a real thrill to be with you, and I kind of gloss over it, but I really mean it. It's really a privilege and an honor to be able to be up in front of you bringing the word. Um, if you've got your Bibles, and I hope you brought one or something to look up scripture on, go ahead and uh, open to Philippians chapter 1, and then just kind of stick your thumb in that. That's where we're going to be. If you'd like to follow along, we do have interactive uh, sermon notes available online. We'll put up a QR code on the screens there. You can scan that with the camera on your phone, and that will take you to the outline uh, that you can fill in and follow the scripture and uh, follow along with the sermon. As you're doing that, though, I want to talk for a minute about something else before we get into uh, before we get into the sermon. This has been a crazy couple of years, has it not? I mean, this has been a wild couple of years. I've never seen anything like it, and uh, some of you have had even crazier two years than the rest of the world has with everything going on in your lives. And, and, uh, but during the last two years, you know, people have stayed home from all kinds of things that they normally would have done. You know, they stayed home from any large gathering of people. And we even had a few weeks where we didn't meet as a church during the height of the, the onset of the pandemic. We didn't really know what was going on. But during that time... In the last couple of years, many churches have struggled financially uh, to make it, and some churches have even uh, closed because they, they have just suffered so much financially through the pandemic. Now, a lot of those were already on their way in decline. It just sped it up. But the fact remains. But the Lord has provided for us here at Hope. Our bills have all been paid, and we even have new people joining us. We're having a membership class today, which is incredible. Um, But I need to tell you right now, as pastor, I just feel like I need to come and tell you where we're at. That right now, financially, we're uh, we're at a shortfall of what we need for to meet our budget for giving by the end of the year. And right now, it's about a twenty thousand dollar shortfall. Okay, just to be real honest and open, and uh, you know, we we don't really hide stuff around here. I don't. I'm not prone to hiding those type of things, and so. What that means is that our giving has not been what it needs to be to support the, the budget that the church approved. So back when we approved the budget, if you remember, I said, okay, this is the budget. We approved, by, approving, by voting to approve this budget, you are agreeing that you will give to support and meet this budget. So, and don't, don't hear that as some kind of guilt trip because that's not the way I mean it. But I just mean I, I want you to know that this is what that means. Now, with all of the crazy happenings the last couple of years, some of you may have forgotten, like we've been in and out of churches, some people have been quarantined five times, and however much, and I have no idea what any of you give, and I don't want to know, okay, Um, I I don't know what anybody gives, but I know from experience that sometimes when we're gone a lot, sometimes maybe we forget, saying, hey, if you need to catch up in your giving, go ahead and make that a priority, Um, I'm also asking you, if, as you're able Uh, as much as you're able, to pray about, ask the Lord, and seek the Lord's face on what amount you might be able to give sacrificially to continue uh, to support the ministry of Hope Bible Fellowship. Maybe you've given a lot. Maybe you've given, I don't know, a quarter of your income. I don't know. Whatever you give. Again, I don't know what anybody gives, um, and I'm thankful for that. Um, But maybe you've already given a lot, but maybe Maybe you have more that God would lead you to give. Maybe, maybe you've given all you can possibly give, and God would say, you know, you've been obedient in that. 
And so I'm just asking you to pray about what more you might give. See, here's the thing about us here at Hope and about me. I believe 100%, no doubt about it in my mind, that God can meet our need, okay? I believe that God can meet our need. I also believe, and we also believe as a church, that God uses the generosity of his people to meet needs. So we believe that God will prove himself faithful when we trust in him. Amen? Has God ever not shown himself to be faithful when you've put your trust in him? No. Now he's faithful and will do what he wills and what he wants. And sometimes that looks different than the way we want it to. But anyway, I just want to bring that, bring that to you to let you know, hey, this is where we're at. Like, we're not, look, we're not going to close the doors or anything like that. It, this isn't that kind of a talk, okay? It's just, hey, we're behind budget. We need to catch up by the end of the year. So if you, are, are, uh, if you would consider praying about possibly uh, giving additionally. If you've missed some and you're able to make, up, make it up, that would be awesome as well. Okay? That's all I've got to say about that for now. With that, let's jump back into Philippians chapter 1. Oh, and if anyone has any questions about that, you can come and talk to AJ. Um, uh, (laughs) Just kidding. You can talk to me, and then I'll point you to AJ. Um, Because he knows the money stuff. Anyway. With that said, let's jump back into Philippians. Hopefully, you'll recall from last week, and if you, if you don't, you can always go back online and, and take a l- listen to it, um, that Paul is writing to the Philippian church whom he deeply cares for. And he's writing from jail. He's in prison. And, and he just finished recounting last week what we talked about, that there were some who were preaching Christ for wrong reasons, out of wrong motivations, but that either way, Paul was rejoicing that Jesus Christ was being proclaimed. Now, I need to touch on something, and I said a little bit of this last week, and I need to clarify, just because I'm afraid that I may have been misunderstood or I may have said something wrongly, okay? Um, So last week, I said that Paul doesn't say that their teaching is wrong. He doesn't call them false teachers, and Paul had no problem calling out false teachers. You know, read Galatians. He, He had no problem calling out people who are teaching false gospel. These people were just simply doing it. They were, and and I said it last week, they were Christians with right belief who were behaving wrongly. Okay, they were behaving out of, uh, they were doing what they were doing out of bad motivations. But he doesn't call them false teachers. So last week when I was talking about this, I may have given the impression that these guys were part of the Judaizers. But I do not believe that is true uh, because he didn't mention their identity specifically or come against them as he did in other places against false teachers in scripture. So if I gave anyone the impression that I was talking about the act of the Judaizers, that was not my intention. I just wanted to make sure that that was clear, okay? Because I am not above making mistakes. Happens all the time. So. so now, though, Paul moves from saying that he rejoices because Christ is being proclaimed to giving the Philippians a second reason why he's got this upbeat attitude. Let's be honest. For being in prison, Paul's kind of snappy, you know? He's kind of upbeat and kind of... I mean, not quite zippity-doo-dah, okay, but he's, he's, he's got a very positive outlook and a positive attitude. And here he's going to give the Philippians a second reason for that and then go on with some others. So we're going to start in verse 18b. So if you look at your Bibles, and, and mo- most of your Bibles, what you're going to find is verse 18, 
ends a sentence and then starts another sentence and then goes, that sentence is continued in verse 19. So we want to make sure we get that whole sentence. And so we're going to use 18b. Now your Bibles probably don't have the B subscript on it. Um, I don't know, some of yours might, but anyway. So I'm going to go ahead and read verses 18 through 30, but I'm going to let you know where I'm going to stop and let you know where we're starting with part B. Does that make sense? I hope so. Uh, So follow along uh, in the word, if you would. All right, beginning in verse 18. It says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Now that's what we talked about last week, okay? Then it says, yes, and I will rejoice, and there's a comma, and then verse 19 starts. So that's, where we're, that's really where we're starting to study today. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that, the, that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As, is, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which, yet which I, I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, and that is f- for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and ask God to help us understand. Lord Jesus, God, we're so weak, <laughs> and uh, we, we, can't, we can't understand what you have for us without the Spirit opening our hearts and our eyes and our minds. Holy Spirit, we just pray you would move in us. Help us understand your word. Help us hear, Lord, what you would say to us in the word. And God, help us believe that's sufficient that your word is sufficient. You will change us through your word because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. God, I pray this would be clear. I pray that uh, you would help me. God, that you would speak. God, that you would uh, clear anything out that's just of me. God, that you would increase here, that you'd be big, Jesus, that I would decrease. God, I pray you would uh, help my voice hold out through the message. And God, that you would be glorified. Jesus, be lifted high. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Paul 
gives them this second reason for his positive attitude. See, he knows that while he's going through this trial of being in prison, he has two different kinds of help. So he's got two different kinds of help. He said, even when we started off, when we started off there in verse uh, 18b, yes, and I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, that this will turn out for my deliverance, then it goes on. So what two kinds of help does he have? Number one, he has human help. He has human help, and that comes in the form of prayers. He has human help in the form of prayers. He understands that when, and we talked about this before, Paul believes that prayer works, that God answers prayer, that prayer is important. And here, we kind of have that reaffirmed, because he knows that they're praying for him. He says, through your prayers, like, he understands that when they, as the body of Christ at Philippi, when when members of the church, when they gather and they pray for him, that God answers those prayers. And sometimes, like, we, we treat prayer almost like it's a, a last resort. Hey, is there anything I can do for you? Somebody's going through something, you're like, is there anything I can do? And they're like, yeah, just pray. And, of course, some of us are like, well, is there any, do you need food? Is there anything else I can do? As if there was anything better we could do than pray. Yes, people need food, and we need to take meals, and we need to do those things. But what I'm saying is we just need to change our mindset and not think that prayer is like the last resort, the last thing that it's like, oh, I'm just sitting here. To... That's, that's the, the, the people that I see online sometimes when there's a, you know, there's a big tragedy or something, and people talk about their praying, and then there was this joke, you know, this kind of cliche of thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, you know. And, um, and I'd rather have somebody praying for me than somebody saying, oh, I'm sending good vibes your way. Oh, I don't need good vibes. I need you to pray and ask God to help, you know, get this house off my leg or whatever the problem is, wherever you're at. I'm talking about like when major tragedies and things happen. So Paul understood that God responded to the prayers of his people. God still responds to the prayers of people. Second kind of help Paul was talking about that knew, he knew he would have is divine help. He would have divine help. That's help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul is clearly dependent upon the Spirit working. He's dependent upon, like, Paul lived his life in such a way. And when you read the things that Paul did in his life, you read in the book of Acts, all the travels of Paul and everything. If the Spirit doesn't come through for Paul, Paul's in trouble. Paul lived his life in such a way that he trusted Jesus and his ministry in Christ and the gospel that whatever happened to Paul, he trusted that Jesus would either bring him through it or take him to him in the end. He, he had a dependence upon the Spirit working. The help here that's talked about when it, when it uses the word help, that word's actually translated uh, from the Greek word, which means assistance, which undergirds and strengthens the object. So this is as in um, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 16, that says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So this kind of help, this is like a ligament which acts as a support. 
And the use of the grammar uh, in that sentence, the Greek grammar that's used there, suggests that the two kinds of help, the divine help and the human help, are working together. Are working together. In other words, the Spirit of Christ is sustaining him as the people of Christ are praying for him. Now it's God doing the work, right? But it's the people being obedient and caring for him and loving him from a distance. And in verses 18 through 21, as we continue, we see um, a few things that I want to talk about. Um, And I did a little, uh, I did some more uh, alliteration because I know you guys were so impressed with me last week. Uh, knowing that I can use a thesaurus.com. Uh, but anyway, the first one that I want to talk about is Paul's ambition. Paul's ambition. In, if we re- as we read through verses 18 through 21, we see the ambition of Paul. Now, ambition is not necessarily a bad thing. Depends on what you're ambitious for and why, right? Amb- the ambition could be a bad thing if it was ambitious for the wrong things or the wrong reason. But Paul was ambitious in three ways that we see woven throughout these verses from eight, the second part of 18 through 21 in the first part of our passage. Paul was ambitious to do three things. The first one was to rejoice in Christ consistently. To rejoice in Christ consistently. He rejoiced <coughs> excuse me, consistently because the message of the gospel was being proclaimed. Jesus Christ was being proclaimed. And he rejoiced. We find that he was suffering He was in jail, in prison, possibly chained to a guard, right? And he's rejoicing. So it was Paul's ambition to, no matter what his circumstances, to constantly, (coughs) excuse me, rejoice. I just coughed in the microphone, but it's really hard to avoid it. So sorry about that. Rejoice in Christ consistently. Paul's second ambition was to rely on Christ completely. To rely on Christ completely. Paul understood that God was the one who would either uh, save him, the one who would save him, or the one who would call him to himself for eternity. I bet that's going to sound great online. So for those who are wondering, I'm not sick. I had some allergy stuff and drainage, and it's all going, I don't want to get gross, but I've got the drainage, and the throat is super scratchy, and this happened Wednesday night too, and when I get hot, it gets worse, so. Bear with me, please. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, rely on Christ completely. Paul understood that he was, like, nothing was going to happen in his life. He wasn't going to be able to get anything done without Jesus. And so he relied on Christ completely. The Greek word in verse uh, 19 that's translated as deliverance or salvation is a Greek word called soteria. And it means uh, rescue from, to rescue from danger. He knew. He knew 
that the only one who could rescue him from danger was Jesus. And no matter what that looked like, even if it didn't look like what we think rescue would look like, Paul trusted, he relied on Christ completely. Third was he wanted to represent Christ courageously. He had an ambition to represent Christ courageously, and these ambitions are what he wanted for the church at Philippi as well. When we understand what Paul's great ambition was, we can understand why he was facing this dilemma that he talks about facing, this sort of, of, of problem or issue, concern that he was facing, this decision that he presented. Because he wanted to boldly and courageous, courageously represent Christ. He wanted to rejoice in him always. He wanted to rely on him always. But we come to a point where Paul tells the Philippians about this dilemma. And so we want to analyze his dilemma a little bit. What dilemma is Paul facing? Well, he wants to stay and continue his ministry on earth for their benefit. But he also wants to go into eternity because it would mean that he would get to be with Jesus Christ. Now, as I read that, I thought this is a really good reminder that heaven is only heaven because Jesus is there. I want you to think for a minute how you feel about heaven and eternity and the end of your life. I once heard a famous preacher say something like this. He said, if you could have all of the glories of heaven, every benefit that is there that is promised to us, all the wonder that's described of eternity in heaven, if you could have all of that, but Jesus was not there, would you still want to go? And the idea there is that how we answer that question will tell us something about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Heaven's only heaven because Jesus is there, because we get to spend eternity with him. And so Paul was like, hey, I'd like to stay so I can do more fruitful ministry and more people can come to know Jesus, right? But on the flip side, if this imprisonment ends in death, I can go be with Jesus, which is ultimately what I want. So he's like, which do I want, you know? Um, He's not contemplating suicide here, I don't believe, just in case you're looking at it and like, well, it sounds like he's trying to decide whether he wants to stay alive or not. Yeah, I mean, what does he want? But he's not contemplating taking his own life. You've got to understand he's where he's at and what he's doing with the context of this. If Paul lived longer, he was committed to continuing to reveal Christ to people, to fulfill his ambitions, right? But if he died, his death was gain. Because he'd be with Jesus. Paul saw the benefits of both. He saw the benefits of both. When he says that living would be fruitful labor, it would mean that more Gentiles would believe the gospel. And I'll ask you to excuse me while I put a cough drop in my mouth. This is so, I'm so professional, guys. (coughs) And you're like, how does he not have a... But it would mean that more Gentiles would believe the gospel if he still had ministry, because that's primarily who Paul was ministering to. It means that he would be, (coughs) 
concerned with Christ's concerns, with Christ's values, and with Christ's mission. And folks, that's what it means for us as well. As long as there's breath in our lungs, no matter what our life situation is, we should be concerned with what Jesus is concerned with. We should value what Jesus values, and we should be on mission with Jesus and in line with his mission. That's it. Paul wanted to be in line with Jesus' mission. Concerned about the things Jesus is concerned with. Reminds me of uh, that song, um, Hosanna, that we sing sometimes. There's a line in there, and I remember one day I was in a worship service somewhere, and I was, we were singing that song, and there's a line in there, and it just killed me. It says, break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause or call. And I thought, oh, yeah, Jesus, break my heart for the things that break your heart. Cause me to be concerned about the things you're concerned about and not the things that I'm concerned about. Because I'm pretty petty. And I get concerned about things that don't really matter. Some of you, I mean, a couple of people have been in my office today. And they're like, oh, you move things around. Yeah, because... Like, that matters, right? Debbie, Debbie Robertson walked in there and said, do you have, ADD, do you have ADHD? Because I always move stuff around in there. Uh, but uh, the point is that we should be... The point is not that you shouldn't move your furniture around. Move your furniture around all you want. In fact, I recommend it, okay? But the point is that we should be concerned about the things Jesus is concerned about. All right, we value what Jesus values. So when we when we analyze his dilemma, we find that he's got a point. If he stays, more Gentiles hear the gospel. But if he goes, he gets to be with Jesus. And uh, I, sometimes I'm not sure that we see things that way. We understand the whole, oh, if I die, I get to go be with Jesus because I've trusted in Christ for salvation because he saved me because of his work on the cross in my place. He died for my sin. Like we get that and we're like, yeah, so if I die, I'm going to go be with Jesus. And so like something goes on wrong in our lives or we have a real hard thing or we get fired from a job or something like that happens and we're like, oh, Jesus, just take me home. But do we ever think the other side? But if I stay, more people will come to know Jesus. And we don't think that usually because probably, if I could be so bold, because more people aren't coming to know Jesus because we're here now. Because we're not really living out those ambitions that Paul talked about, or that, that we talked about Paul having. So Paul, we, he kind of lays out, analyzes that dilemma. But then he makes his appeal to the Philippians, the church of Philippi. Beginning in verse 27. Paul makes an appeal to the church at Philippi to live their lives in a way that is worthy of those who claim the name of Jesus. Paul's concerned that they stand firm in one spirit. Now this is a phrase that's a reflection of the military pride of the Roman army. See, Roman armies were always at the ready for battle. Regardless of strength, 
of their enemy, their opposition, or the distractions of the culture around them enticing them away from being prepared. They were always ready for battle. And the church should have the same readiness. Not to pick up arms, but we should always be ready to meet opposition with the truth of the word. Being of one spirit is an expression of the unified attitude of the believers. That they were to be unified. Being of one mind or one accord, literally that kind of translates to same soul. This is Christians of the church sharing life, contending as one person. This means they're standing firm and contending as if they were one person, one body. When they are together, acting as one, it prevents divisiveness. To stand firm involves contending together. When we say contending, it comes from the idea of a a sports team contending for a prize or for a trophy. It's harmony that achieves God's purposes and not individualism. I want to say that again. Individualism is not what accomplishes God's purposes. It's harmony that does. You know, we kind of struggle with that in the Midwest, actually in America in general, because we're very individualistic. But when we stand together unified as one body, that standing involves not being fearful. It helps us not be fearful. We do not fear our opponents because we stand firm together with the strength of Christ and the prayers of the brothers and sisters. One of Paul's main concerns throughout the letter of Philippians is the unity of the church. And standing firm, together as one, also strengthens us individually, builds us up individually as well. It gives us confidence to boldly proclaim and not fear the opposition. And when he talks about standing firm, we we think standing firm in word and deed. And I've got three reference verses for that that I just want to go through quickly. But one is Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Christ has set you free. Do not submit to the yoke of slavery. Don't submit any longer to the whims of the culture or sin because Christ has set us free. Stand firm in that truth. Stand firm in what you know of that truth. Ephesians 6.14 Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Stand. Colossians 4.12 says Epaphras who is one of you a servant of Christ Jesus greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. I know we're talking about standing, but can you, I love that phrase, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. When was the last time you struggled on someone's behalf in your prayers? Struggling. That's, and I could preach a whole sermon on that one probably. We're to stand firm in word and in deed. Our doctrine in our life should match up and our right living should come out of right doctrine. And we should stand firm and do it together in unity as the body of Christ. That's what Paul wants for the Philippians. That's what Paul would want for us as well. It does want for us as well. More than that, it's what Jesus wants from us. 
So he's, he's dealt with the Philippians on his dilemma. He's appealed to them in the way he wants them to live. And lastly, he acknowledges what's been granted to them. He acknowledges these great gifts that they've been given in verses 29 and 30. And I just want to read those again. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul, in these verses, acknowledges two things that have been granted to the Philippian church. Two gifts, really, they had been given. The first one is to trust in Christ. To believe the gospel. Paul had come to Philippi preaching the gospel. Preaching Jesus Christ, Son of God. Come to earth, born of a virgin. Lived a perfect, sinless life. And gave that life willingly on the cross. Because all men and women have sinned toward the glory of God. And the only way for us to be, uh, for a bridge between that chasm between us and God, that chasm that sin created, was for something to be sacrificed. Because sin is due to the wrath of God. Something had to experience that wrath. It had to be poured out. And Jesus stepped in and took it upon himself and died. And took that, that, wrath, that punishment, what our sin deserved upon himself. And three days later, he arose from the grave. Now, they had trusted in this message that Paul had preached. They had trusted that this message meant forgiveness for their sin and that God would create in them a new heart and give them a new nature and grow the fruit of the Spirit in them. It says it had been granted to them God did not have to send Paul to Philippi. God did not have to prompt Lydia to have her little prayer meeting with the other ladies and and, and set it up so that Paul would show up and preach the gospel. But he did. It had been granted to them to believe. Because if God then wouldn't have wanted that, it wouldn't have happened, right? <laughs> right? I mean, he could have stopped that, right? So Paul says, it's been granted to you to believe in Jesus, but there was a second thing. There was a second thing. It was granted to them to suffer for Christ. Now, I said these were gifts, right? Some of you are like, suffering, great, great gift, Pastor. Don't give me anything for Christmas. If you think suffering is a gift, Pastor, I don't want anything from you. <laughs> Faith is not an accident. Faith is not an accident. It's a, it's a gift given by God, given the ability to trust in Him. Suffering is also not an accident. It's a gift granted by God. It will sanctify us and glorify Him. When we suffer for Christ, it sanctifies us and glorifies him. These things have been granted to them and they've been granted to us and it ought to drive us to have that same kind of ambition as Paul. Ultimately, it should line us up with Jesus. It should line us up living our lives with what's important to Jesus. 
I'm going to ask if the musicians would go ahead and come up, and I'm going to kind of round third and head home here. And I want to say this. I said it earlier. Our ambition should be that like Paul had. Because what Paul does is he reflects Christ to us. He reflected, he said that all the time. He's like, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, right? He, he, he was constantly, he wanted people to follow Jesus, and he wanted to be a good reflection of that. So Paul's ambition, there's three things I covered at the beginning, and then we kind of broke everything out. Then our ambition should be as well. First, we should rejoice in Christ consistently. In all things, whatever comes our way, rejoice in Christ consistently. I want to challenge you. Some of you have stuff you're going through now. So you're, you're struggling. You're going through some really hard stuff. Maybe it's not just because you're a Christian. But you've got some hard stuff in life. And God's maybe teaching you some things through it. Or maybe you can't see what God's teaching you through it. But you know he is at work in your life. I want to challenge you to rejoice in him through the suffering. See the joy for the joy on the other side and, and, and have joy in the middle you know the, the Bible talks about Jesus for the joy set before him right um, he went through it knowing knowing what he was accomplishing and I just want to I want to challenge you to rejoice in Christ no matter what comes your way number two is to rely on Christ completely for everything we need kind of ties in nicely with that announcement I made at the very beginning. But to rely on Christ completely for everything we need, whether it's financially, whether it's uh, growth spiritually, whether it's stuff with your family, for your spiritual growth, for your help, for your understanding of scripture, for your whatever, for, for your personal evangelism, to rely on Christ completely. And number three is to represent Christ courageously. To be a representative of Jesus so that, like when you think about, like Paul did about his dilemma, it's like, well, I could go be with Jesus, but if I stay, more people can come to know Jesus. Like, I want to, like, I want to have that as like, okay, I know that I'm doing gospel work here, and I know that Jesus is there in eternity, and I don't know which is, I mean, he says it's better to go be with Jesus for sure, but if I stay longer, more people can go to be, you know, man, how great would it be to actually have that dilemma and, and to know that, it, that people are hearing the gospel because you're around. So represent Christ courageously. Be of one spirit and one mind. Stand firm with the other members of your local church. Hopefully soon we'll have more members of our local church. But linking arms and standing as one body. Your relationship with Christ is personal, but it's not private. It's personal, but it's not private. We build each other up. We hold each other accountable. We link arms and we stand together. And let all of this bring you a boldness to stand fearlessly against opposition. Because I don't know if you noticed it, but there is opposition to the gospel out there. As we rejoice in, rely on, and represent Christ together as well as individually. Would you stand up with me?
I'm going to lead us in a, a word of prayer. Oh, right. Sorry. If you had knee replacement surgery recently, you may stay seated. Um, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. But I just want to challenge you as, as, as the band plays and, and Dana sings and leads us. Think about those things. And to begin to put in place in your life, and maybe even during this time, say, God, what are some practical things that I can do in my life to help me rejoice in you continuously? There might be some things in your life that you've got that you're, you're taking part in and you feel them actually decreasing your affections for Christ. But then there's other things in your life that you know when you partake in those, when you do those, they increase your affections for Christ. So do more of that and do less of the other, you know. It's very, I mean, I know that's like super practical, but. Second, to rely on Christ fully. Maybe you've got an area of your life and you're worried sick about it. You're staying up late. You're pulling your hair out, whatever. Rely on Jesus fully. And be okay with whatever his answer and his will is there. Pray about it. Talk to your, talk to other Christians and have them pray with you. But, but rely on Jesus for the outcome. And number three, represent Him courageously in Dixon. You've heard this morning about some opportunities that we have for that, right? We got opportunities to mingle with lost people during a blood drive. We got opportunities at the Christmas walk. We have some opportunities to, you know, our, our Christmas service and stuff like that. But just out in your everyday life, at your job, represent Christ courageously. That doesn't mean you're street preaching, right? But as you have opportunity, speak the name of Jesus. And help people understand what it really means to follow Jesus and what it doesn't mean to follow Jesus. There's a lot of people who don't know. Anyway, let's pray. And then we'll, uh, we'll worship a little bit more. God, thank you. God, thank you for this message. God, I just pray that you'd work in spite of me. God, I pray you would reach into our hearts and clean out the stuff that shouldn't be there. Call us on our sin, convict us, bring us quickly to repentance, and help us trust in and hope.